right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. And I'm just thinking about that number you were tossing around uh, earlier, the one doctor who right? wrote 17,000 17, prescriptions for this drug, Ozempic, uh, in one month. Sorry, in three months. That's crazy. So that's like 6000 a month. <laughs> I don't have my calculator. Look, even if the guy is working 10-hour days and, say, five days a week, he's writing 30 prescriptions an hour, which means he's giving them all of two minutes scrutiny before he signs. And if that's not a rubber stamp, I hear whacking away there in the background. I mean, this is incredible. By itself, this merits investigation – I know the doctor has been suspended in Nova Scotia, and of course, as you noted, Timmy, he comes from that well-known Atlantic Provinces community of Texas. Texas. <laughs> I, this one, it sounds to me like something going on here that needs a lot more investigation, and I hope it's going to get it. I like to believe that the system worked here, Vaughn, yeah. you know, that this was flagged, it was reported, it was looked into, and it's been dealt with. Yeah, I think the good thing you can say about this is, first of all, uh, our health minister, Adrian Dix, who announced the crackdown in online cross-border sales of the drug yesterday, uh, he said he has an obsession with pharmaceuticals. He keeps track of it. It's something he's paid a lot of attention to as health minister. And he's a diabetic himself, exactly. so you know he's interested. And he says that it was... he directed B.C. officials when the province approved Ozempic for diabetes treatment, he asked provincial officials, monitor what happens to sales. And they did, and they caught it through B.C.'s PharmaNet. We had an enormous spike in prescriptions being filled in B.C. and immediately shipped across the border. So Dix is saying, you know, this, the most he was saying about this is this is, was a loophole in the regulations. It's not saying somebody was breaking the law. And he said, we're going to crack down on it. And as of yesterday, he's done that. Well, that's good because it is a slippery slope because yeah. there are places in the States that say, hey, go to Canada and get your drugs. We can't support that here. Well, because the drug suppliers won't stand for it. Exactly. If they see their customers in the U.S. who pay three times as much getting around their pricing structure by going to a place like British Columbia where we negotiate a better rate and we run a public health system, if they see people taking advantage of that, uh, we're gonna, our supply is going to be cut off. They're never going to supply us with enough drug in order for Americans to right. fill up here. They, there will be an exemption for Americans who come here on holiday and they need a prescription filled, and that's how it should work. If Canadians go south of the border, it's the same. But what they don't want is bulk sales online, through the mail, uh, over the, not over the counter. Um, and that's what was going on here, and that's what Dix has slammed the door on. Okay, well, we'll have to keep track of that one, too. I'd, I'd like to know if something is going to happen to this doctor in terms of more than just having their license suspended. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to start by, what are you doing in Texas? And, and, then, and then go on to, how did you manage to fill 17,000 prescriptions yeah. in three months like 
if you did, did you get writer's cramp on, right. your, on your pen? I would like to see some of that as well. Uh, we're going to talk about, um, you know, downgrading and yeah. credit because this idea of like rating government credit, it's been something that successive governments have, have kind of put a lot of faith in. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a comment on British Columbia as a great place to invest. It's a comment on government borrowing because the better your credit rating, the easier it is to borrow and the better the rate you get. So it does matter. And also, Simi, it has become kind of boasting rights for B.C. governments over the years. The New Democrats, when they got in, were... You know, they inherited the best credit rating in the country, and they've made a point of saying, hey, whatever you think of what we're doing, we've maintained that credit rating, and that's been true up to this week. But this week, they got a downgrade. They're on the defensive over it. It doesn't mean an awful lot by itself, but it may signal a change in the sustainability of BC having the best credit rating in Canada. Okay, let's get into the specifics of this then. So what what was the reason for it? Yeah, so this is S&P, and it's one of the big four rating agencies that rate government credit, and they rate all the governments in Canada. So they're the ones that, you know, you're looking at comparisons always with credit ratings. So they say uh, they cited two things for a downgrade and a negative outlook for BC. And the first thing they said was, waning economic growth. So that's out of the government's hands, right? The the provincial economy isn't going to be growing as much this year as it did in the last couple of years. And the government itself acknowledges that number. So that's the first thing. But the second thing they say is wavering NDP commitment to fiscal responsibility. So in the face of slow economic growth, the government's commitment to Uh, maintaining a relatively low debt load and trying to maintain a bit of a cap on spending and fiscal responsibility is in doubt. The evidence they cite is what the New Democrats did with that enormous surplus that surfaced toward the end of last year. Almost $6 billion and the government mostly spent it. And the government is also increasing borrowing for capital projects, roads, bridges, hospitals, schools, all that stuff. So they say, they look at that and they go, they think the government is weakening its commitment. And because of that, they've downgraded them once and they've put them on notice, Simi, that more downgrades may be in the offing if the NDP doesn't mend its ways. Hmm. Okay. How concerned is the government about this? Not at all at this point publicly. So we got a statement yesterday from the finance minister, Katrina Conroy, and she makes a couple of points that are important. First of all, the government is indeed increasing spending, borrowing on big capital projects. So the the Portman, uh, sorry, the Patello Bridge replacement, the promise to replace the tunnel, new hospitals, the Surrey, the new hospital in Surrey, there's supposed to be a groundbreaking for that in July. Schools, they, they say the government is investing in the economy, it's investing in communities, it's dealing with a growing population, and the government is proud of that, no apologies. Okay, that's politics, but also, you know, that's where the NDP is coming from. The second thing she said is interesting, and on this she has a very valid point. She points out that S&P so far, the 
agency that downgraded BC is an outlier so far. The other three big rating agencies have not been as critical. So Moody's, DBRS, and Fitch, the other three, have all been more positive about BC's economic performance and its fiscal performance. And she's right about that. And the difference with those three, Simi, is they pointed out that even though the NDP is budgeting for deficits again and spending a lot of money, they have put aside billions of dollars in unallocated spending, contingencies to offset the deficits. So the other rating agencies are saying that's sufficiently prudent that we still think the province is entitled to the best credit rating in Canada. So where we are on this, Simi, is really who's going to end up being right? If the BC economy delivers the goods again this year, the government doesn't need that contingency money, it'll probably end up with a balanced budget. If the economy, slowing down, uh, brings an end to the kind of revenues and surpluses we've seen, then we'll be back into deficits. And the risk for the government there, Simi, is that the other rating agencies will go, hmm, maybe we want to revisit this issue as well. So it's still an open question as to whether or not S&P is wrong or right. And I guess we'll see that over the next year. Okay, so really, this is going to be critical then, right? And they they packed a lot of contingencies, I seem to remember, when we talked about it into this budget. Yeah, no, exactly. Look, it, 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 it is true that the government hedged. It put aside a lot of money unallocated in case of an economic downturn, and they're preparing for it. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a moving dynamic. The thing that happened in the 1990s is when the New Democrats first got in, they maintained the credit rating as well. But as the decade unfolded, chip chip, chip away. And by the end of their term, at the end of the 1990s, they really couldn't boast about the great credit rating anymore. That's the risk for this government. If, you know, they're right about the contingencies being enough to offset the debt, the BC economy continues to deliver the goods, as it has, and by goods I mean revenue, um, they'll be able to say this time next year, ha, you know, S&P was wrong, the other credit agencies are right, and there's no worries. And, you know, that's an open question. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not an economic forecaster or a credit rating agency, no, but... and I still say it's an open question who's right here. We'll see over the next year. Because the problem is it could go the other way too, right? Like we know that with the BC Liberals and their very hard focus on that kind of fiscal discipline, voters in the end, you know, thought they could loosen up a little bit and they didn't. And that cost them. Yeah, you're right. And who are these BC Liberals you're talking about? Oh, right. I've never heard of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to happen a lot. (laughs) So it it really is going to be a discipline issue. And I realize we're doing their work for them, rebranding them on the air. But we do need to let the listener know, get used to hearing BC United because you're going to be hearing a lot more of it. I will say, though, in my own defense, that back then, I'm referring to the B.C. Liberals. Yeah, that's Today, right. Today, they would yeah, be known yeah, as the B.C. party formerly known Ooh. as the B.C. Liberals. You're going to hear the New Democrats talking a lot about that because they, of course, they don't want to necessarily remind us of their record in the 90s, but they sure want to remind oh, yes. us of the <laughs> Liberals' the 16 years in government <laughs> and the record their Liberals are trying to make us all forget. Ah, politics. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.